0: My name is Joel Renner, and I want to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment on this video as you watch it so more people can see this teaching. Hey friends, this is Friday Night, and it's Rick Renner here, and tonight it is me and Denise. We're a big group tonight, Denise. Yes.
1: Yes. We are.
0: But hey, Denise, you look really pretty tonight.
1: Thank you. Somebody
0: wrote on Facebook the other day and said, Denise just gets more elegant all the time.
1: Oh, well, that and, was so nice. Isn't that nice? Very nice. And I really like
0: that necklace. Where did you get it?
1: Well, a wonderful woman of God named Hannah Brim gave me this. That's
0: Billy Brim's granddaughter. It
1: is. And she is a wonderful woman. And, and uh, I got to be on her TV program and she has a great tv program and she gave me this
0: that's really sweet well the weekend is coming up and if you need prayer we'd like to pray for you so send us an email at prayerrenner.org, at or you can call us 1-800-742-5593 leave a message We'll call you back and we will really pray for you.
1: And if you're our partner, we want to say thank you to you. You are making this happen. We are partners together. We're laborers together with God doing his work. And you are a huge part of that. And we just want to thank you.
0: And you know what, Denise, right now we're offering the free study guide called Foundations of Faith. Denise, have you ever looked at this study guide?
1: no. Well,
0: that's, that's okay. It's okay. I've got a few things that you could be looking at. <laughs> we just have like 50 or 60 or 70 study yeah,
1: guides. There, be a go to
0: our website. You'll be amazed at all those study guides, but this is free. And all you have to do is go to runner.org and download it. It's really like a banquet just prepared for you. You don't even have to do the research because I did it all for you. And it's all laid out in this free study guide, which comes with a matching series, 10 parts. And on the series is just me. So there's no conversation. It is just line-on-line teaching. This is jam-packed, the basic doctrines you need to know as a believer. And also, we're offering starting today, wait, what are these books? Sparkling Gems from the Greek, number one, and Sparkling Gems from the Greek, number two. I was
1: reading in that last night late. You were? I was.
0: Well, I read them too.
1: I was reading about agape love in this book right here last night.
0: Did it help you?
1: Yes. Well,
0: you know, these books each weigh about eight pounds. And I always jokingly say, if you don't read them, you can lift weights with them. But my friends, they are just filled with revelation and they really are sparkling gems from the Greek. This one has a thousand Greek word studies. That is a lot. I wrote this one in sixty days. This one has a thousand Greek word studies. I did not write this one in sixty days. It would took longer to write. But the two of these together have two thousand. Listen to that number. Two thousand Greek word studies. And of course, it is a daily devotional one for all 365 days of the year. If you already have number one, then get number two. If you have number two, get number one. It doesn't matter where you began. Both of them would really be a blessing to your life. And do you know how I use them? You know, I can just hear somebody saying, Rick Brenner uses his own books. You know what? When you write books this big, you can't always remember exactly how you said something. And I use them. I don't use them as a daily devotional. I use them as a personal resource And there are pastors all over the world that have these books in their offices, and they don't use them as devotionals, but they use them as resources to dig into the Greek of the New Testament. Because in the back of each of these books, there's a listing of all the Greek words in English, in Greek, and all the references that are referred to It is amazing. It's really a treasure.
1: It's a treasure. And also, I can't tell you how many times in traveling that people have come up to us and said, we use these books for our devotionals with our children. And they just sit down. They just read a sparkling gem with their children.
0: And do you know what, Denise? When I was writing these books, I didn't know how to market them to people. So I called in Christian book specialists. And you know what they said to me? Nobody will ever buy those books. You're wasting your time. They're too big. Christians don't read anything like that. You will, you'll never be able to sell those books. Well, you know what? They were wrong. People are hungry for the Bible. They're hungry for it. And especially when you can take the deep troops of Scripture and break them down to make them eatable in morsel sizes. People are so thankful. Anyway, if you don't have those, please get them. But Lord, we ask you to be with us tonight as Denise and I go deeper into Hebrews chapter 6 and be with our home group tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this week, we've been looking at foundations of faith. And I want us to go back to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. Are you ready, Denise? Mm -hmm. And Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Now, somebody might say, Well, you're not supposed to get stuck in these principles. That's right. You're not. You're supposed to go on. Go on is the Greek word pharaoh. It means forward movement. The word perfection is the word teleotes, which really describes a student who graduates upward into another level and another level and another level and another level, which means in the Lord, you're never supposed to get stuck. Mm -mm. You're always supposed to go forward. But even in the natural realm, A student does not study chemistry or trigonometry or high levels of education if they never got their ABCs. You have to start with your ABCs. If you don't get them right, then you're going to make all kinds of wrong calculations. So the writer of Hebrews says, let's begin with these foundational things. Let's really get them set in place, and then we can move on. But you can't move on until you get these first. So let's go on and see what it says next. It says that we need to understand these basic principles of the doctrine of Christ then go on into perfection. And then in verse 2, it begins to mention what are the foundational doctrines of the Christian faith or the ABCs that you need to know. You need to know these. You say, well, what are they? Look at verse 2. Repentance from dead works, faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms, the laying out of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the doctrine of eternal judgment. Well, this week so far, we have covered repentance from dead works. We have covered faith toward God. We have covered the doctrine of baptisms. It was last night I thought that was very interesting. And tonight we're going to look at the doctrine of laying on of hands. Now, most people kind of minimize that. But here it is listed right in the middle of all of these major, major doctrines So laying on of hands is not something you should minimize. It is very important. Why is the laying on of hands listed as one of the six foundational doctrines of the Christian faith? And here's the reason. Hands, listen to this. Hands, look at your hands. Okay? Hands. Everybody has them. Hands were designed by God to be instruments through which His gifts, His authority, His power, and His blessings are to be imparted and transmitted to others. And this is established from the very beginning of the Old Testament all the way to the end of the New Testament. God moves through hands. That means if you don't do anything right, but you use your hands, God probably is going to move. Some people say, well, you know, I don't see God moving in my church. Well, get your hands out of your pockets. (laughs) Get your hands out of your pockets. Start using your hands. Because the laying on of hands is a vehicle through which God moves mightily. And let's look at this. The first example is in Genesis chapter 27, where the Bible tells us Isaac passed his blessing to Jacob through the laying on of hands. He knew that if the blessing was going to be transferred, he had to get his hands on him because hands are the conduit through which the blessing would pass from one generation to the next. Years later, in Genesis chapter 48, Jacob himself wanted to pass the blessing he had received into the lives of his grandkids. And he knew that if it was going to pass to him, to them, he had to get his hands on them. So the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 8 that he carefully laid his hands on Ephraim and Manasseh, who were Joseph's sons. And when he did, there was a transfer of blessing from him into that son, sons, grandsons. And it came through the laying on of hands.
1: You know, Rick, this wasn't just a ritual.
0: Oh no, this was really a conduit a, through which things flow.
1: To, to lay your hands was to release. You're releasing something. You're releasing the blessing. And that was powerful.
0: Then you go to Exodus 28 and 29. And you find that Aaron and his sons were set apart to minister to the Lord as priests. And after they were all outfitted in their priestly garments, the Bible says Moses did what? He laid his hands on them. And when he laid his hands on them, that was the very moment that the anointing of God passed into them. It happened when they received the laying on of hands. It came through Moses' hands. Wow, Wow, it is amazing. So through Isaac, through his hands, blessing came through Jacob, through his hands, blessing came through the hands of Moses, anointing came. But hey, that's not all. When you come to Numbers chapter 27, verse 18, it says before Moses died, he laid his hands on Joshua. They had a real respect for the laying on of hands Because they understood hands were not just hands, they were conduits. They were vehicles through which power and gifts and anointing and blessing was passed to other people. And the Bible tells us in Numbers 27, verse 18, listen to this. And the Lord said unto Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hands upon him. And in Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, it confirms that's what Moses did. It says that Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. When Moses laid his hands on him, those blessings passed literally through Moses' hands into Joshua. That is amazing to me. But something else very important. If you read the whole Old Testament, over and over and over, you read that the hand of the Lord himself came upon people. For example, we read in the Old Testament that the hand of the Lord came upon Ehu, came upon Gideon, came upon Jephthah, came upon Samson, it came upon Saul, came upon David, the hand of the Lord. And when the hand of the Lord himself came upon people, power came, anointing came, the supernatural came, blessing came, all of it came through the hand of the Lord. So whether you're talking about the hand of the Lord or the hand of people, God moves through hands. That is a basic doctrine of the Bible. But then you come to the New Testament. So let's go there. And when you get to the New Testament, we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 8, verse 3, where the Bible says, Jesus laid his hands on Peter's mother-in-law, healed her of a fever. That healing power was imparted through hands. Denise, look at your hands. Let's not minimize our hands. Magnify them. Jesus knew power would pass through his hands. Matthew 9, 29, Jesus laid his hands on the eyes of two blind men, and through his hands, healing power literally passed through into those two blind men. Or how about Matthew 17, 7, when Jesus laid his hands on Peter, James, and John and delivered them from a spirit of fear that was delivering power that passed through his hands or Matthew 20 verse 34 Jesus again laid his hands on two more blind men and through his hands through hands this is the vehicle this is the conduit power passed and they were healed or Mark 141 just going to give you a few references in Mark 141 Jesus laid his hands on a leper most people wouldn't even touch a leper but Jesus knew power would flow through his hands. He had to get his hands on him. And when Jesus put his hands on him, power flowed through the hands of Jesus into that leper, and he was healed. Or in Mark 6, verse 5, the Bible says that in Jesus' own town, he could do no mighty work save that. He laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. He knew if he could just get his hands on people, things would change. Or in Mark 8, 22 through 25, we find that Jesus power was released through his hands into a blind man from Bethsaida and it restored his sight. Jesus really had a revelation. Power, blessing, anointing, healing, deliverance passes through the hands. And that just scratches the surface of how many times Jesus used his hands in the gospel. It's very central to the ministry of Jesus. But then we understand from the book of Acts that early believers also understood the value of hands. They did not minimize their hands. You know, the early believers, they did not have seminary training because there were no seminaries. They didn't have Bible school diplomas because there was no such thing, but everybody had hands. And as long as they had hands, if they used them, it was the guarantee that power, anointing, and blessing and healing and deliverance would literally flow through this tube, this instrument, this conduit, and it would flow into those who needed a touch. A transmission would take place that would change people if they would just put their hands on them, Denise.
1: So this is the instruction of the Lord that we're to use our hands. He wants to use our hands. He wants to use your hands. And many, many years ago, our our middle son <coughs> Philip, he got this uh, thing on his hands, and it was cracking. It, it was, was
0: like a severe case bleeding of bleeding and dry skin.
1: Yeah, and and but it was bleeding, and I was afraid it was going to get infected. So I called Rick's mom. <coughs> I said, "Mom, what should I do?" She said, well, you need to make an appointment for him. So I made the appointment with a doctor, but then I got on the phone with my friend, and we started praying, and we got over in into the spirit, and we began taking authority of whatever that was that was on Philip's hands. Well, so there was so much power on the telephone, there was so much presence of God on the telephone that... I knew that Philip's hands were healed, but this is so many years ago. I really didn't know what to do, Rick. So I just stood there and I just thought, hmm, I know there's power. What should I do? And I thought, okay, I'll lay my hands on him. I felt like it was done in the spirit, but I felt like I had to lay my hands on him. And when I laid my hands on Philip's hands, I mean the next day, that thing started going away and going away. And I called Rick's mom and I said, "Mom, I said, Philip's hands are really better. What should I do? Well, cancel your appointment."
0: Denise, let me ask you a question: If you turn on the water faucet, what happens?
1: Water comes out.
0: Comes out, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. It is that automatic. You don't even have to feel a presence. Uh, It's good that you felt one. That's good. The Bible never says you have to feel anything. It says if you use your hands, it's like turning on the faucet. It's going to flow. That is just a matter of fact. I believe it and you should believe it too. But I want to go on to the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, the Bible says that the people of Jerusalem chose some men to be leaders and to be deacons. And the Bible tells us that the apostles laid their hands on them. They knew that these men needed a spiritual impartation to stand in a spiritual position. And they said, hey, we got to get our hands on these guys. Why? They had a revelation. The gifts and power and anointing and blessing flows through the hands. They had to get their hands on them. Then when you go to Acts chapter eight, after the Samaritans heard the word of God and were baptized, The Bible says Peter and John went down to pray for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in verse 17, they laid their hands on them. The apostles had a revelation. Power flows through hands. Everybody say hands. Hands. Then you come to Acts chapter 9 and the apostle Paul has been saved. His name is still Saul. He's in a house in the city of Damascus and suddenly Ananias, a believer, shows up and listen to what the Bible says. It says that Ananias laid his hands upon him and immediately Saul's eyes were opened and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now couldn't God do that without the laying on of hands? I'm sure that he could, but the fact is God moves through hands. That is a very important doctrine in the New Testament that most people are unaware of. They don't understand the importance of laying on of hands. They've even minimized it, laughed about it. No, 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 my friends. It is a central doctrine. God moves through hands. Or when you come to Acts chapter 13, there Paul and Barnabas are seeking the Lord about their future. And verses 2 and 3 say, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereto and I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them. My friend, this was not a sideline doctrine or activity. This was very central to everything they did. They had a revelation that God moves through hands. Oh, my goodness, I believe this. Hey, let's go on. Then when you get to Acts chapter 19... Paul comes into the city of Ephesus through the upper gate. He finds a group of disciples. They're not saved, so he leads them to Christ. He baptizes them in water. And then Paul, the great legendary apostle who wrote most of the New Testament, laid his hands upon them. That's in Acts chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. And when he laid his hands upon them, the power of the Holy Spirit flowed into them. Paul knew he had to get his hands on them. Isn't that amazing?
1: It's, it's so powerful.
0: Now, So now we've seen the Old Testament, the Gospels, the book of Acts, but now let's go to the epistles. What did the epistles say about the laying on of hands? 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, to Timothy and to us, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy and with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. So according to the Apostle Paul, Timothy received his particular gift. When? When they laid hands on him. When they laid hands on him. Something literally came into him. But it didn't come until hands were laid on him. And then when you go to 2 Timothy 1 and verse 6, Paul said to Timothy, I put you in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God that is in thee, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Look at your hands. Let's look at our hands, Denise. is that amazing? Everybody has hands. We all have hands. And now we find that one of the six doctrines that are foundational for us is to understand that God wants to use our hands. Denise, do you know why this is so critically important? Everybody has hands. This is central to every single believer being used by God. You have hands when you go to the grocery store. You have hands when you're in the car. You have hands when you're at home. You have hands when you're in church. You have hands when you're at work. If you've got hands and you're willing to use them, God will move through your hands. And this doctrine was so important that it was listed here as one of the six foundational doctrines, by the word the foundation that we've seen, the word Melios," it's something that needs to be set in stone in your life. You need to know this. It needs to be rock solid. God moves through my hands, which means you have a guarantee that if you'll just get your hands out of your pockets and if you'll put them on somebody, you'll start to see things happen. Sometimes believers say, well, you know what? I don't really see many signs and wonders. I don't see that happening. And I have to ask, are you using your hands? Tells me you're not using your hands. You say, well, I've used them a few times. I haven't seen anything. First of all, you don't know that you haven't seen anything because there are instantaneous miracles and there are progressive healings. It might be that power is released in that moment that progressively begins to heal somebody, but the scriptures guarantee if you'll get your hands out of your pockets and start using them, laying hands on them. Hey, we've already seen Joshua received wisdom. There were others who received healing, deliverance, liberated, gifts of God, blessings, authority, power. All of it came through
1: hands. These are God's instruments.
0: They really are.
1: These are his, and it was his choice to proclaim that our hands are His instruments. I mean, the power of God flows through you. This is His plan. power of God to flow through you and through your hands to deliver the kingdom of God to people.
0: And Jesus said it's for all believers. Yeah, Matthew 16, verse 17 and 18. Listen to what Jesus said. And these signs shall follow them that believe. believe. By the way, it doesn't say, These signs shall follow Christians. There are lots of Christians with no signs. The Greek actually says, these signs shall follow them that are engaging their faith for it and are believing. You have to be believing for these things to happen. If you don't use your faith, you're not going to see anything. But these signs shall follow them that are engaging their faith and are believing for it. What are the signs? He said, in my name, so they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall... Take up serpents, that's actually traveling protection. If they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. That's protection from bad foods and poisonous toxins. And then Jesus said, listen to this, they shall lay hands, talking about believers, on the sick and they shall recover. Do you believe it? These signs will follow them who engage their faith in this and are believing for it. I'm believing for it. And when I hear that people are not seeing signs and wonders, I usually ask them immediately, where are your hands? Are you using your hands? If you're not using your hands, you're probably not seeing much happen because the power of God, the anointing of God, blessings, authority, all of those things come through hands. And that is why the laying on of hands is such a central doctrine in Hebrews chapter 6, right smack dab in the middle of all these heavy-duty doctrinal things is the laying on of hands, which means you should never minimize it. You should magnify it. Magnify the laying on of hands and believe that when you get your hands out of your pockets and you put them on people, something's going to happen. I'm so convinced of this. I don't even depend on my feelings. I just know if I get my hands on them, Something's going to flow through my hands into them that's going to change them and change their circumstances. That is the laying on of hands. It is powerful, Denise. We're out of time. Hey, if you need wow. prayer, please write to us, prayer at or call us, 1-800-742-5593. And be sure to go to our website, renner.org, <clears throat> and get your free download of Foundations of Faith. And we'll see you Monday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow, wasn't that a great teaching? My friends, I want to ask you to please like, subscribe, and comment on that video you just watched so more people can see it.